0: Hey, good morning. Um, You and I are going to have a really special privilege in just a few moments to sit in and just listen in on a conversation uh, with a guy by the name of Mike Minter, played 10 years uh, with the Carolina Panthers, and just a remarkable guy. You're, I think you're going to absolutely love uh, this conversation we're about to have. And just so you know, I, I get it that, that some of us on this side of the country uh, maybe haven't heard a whole lot about uh, Mike and playing for the Carolina Panthers because uh, we've got this football team on this side that absolutely consumes our attention. <clears throat> and, uh, I mean, so why would you notice another team? Um, uh, but uh, Mike actually played for a team that made it to the Super Bowl once, uh, <coughs> let alone the playoffs. <coughs> and, uh, but anyways, just so you know that this guy, th- this, this guy wasn't just a guy who played pro football. This is a guy who made an impact uh, on the field and still holds a whole bunch of team uh, records there for the Carolina Panthers. Let me just go through a couple of these for you. Uh, Mike Minter holds uh, the uh, team record for the most tackles in a career. He holds the team record for the most games started in a career. He holds the team record for the most consecutive games started in a career. He holds the record for the most touchdowns, run-back, for an interception. He holds the record for the interception uh, uh, yardage returns in a career. He holds their team record for the most forced fumbles. And he holds the team record for the most fumbles recovered. So, this guy wasn't just sitting on the bench, this guy was out on the field uh, playing. Yeah. Um, what you're going to discover this morning is that is he he's also a remarkable guy off the field. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to just give a cornerstone welcome uh, to Mike Minner. Thank you, man. Thank you, Thank you for being here. Yes. You and I were talking last night. We were doing dinner last night. Yes. And, and you had uh, what I thought was a pretty cool story uh, about a ref uh, in the Super Bowl. And he got you kind of mad. You beat him up. No, I mean, no. But t- tell us the ref story.
1: Oh, wow. Um, I was sitting down last night with Pastor, as he said, and, and um, telling him about the Super Bowl. So in 2003, we was getting ready to play the New England Patriots and um, um, what was probably the most exciting football game Super Bowl, Super Bowl game until up to last year because I think last year was pretty exciting too, um, you know. And I, I guess one giant fan over there. Yeah, He excited about it right now. Um, but you know, it, it was it was after halftime and we was getting ready to kick the ball off and um, I was on the kickoff team and I, and I'm right. I was a safety on the kickoff team, so right by the sideline and and all of a sudden um, as I'm sitting here, the ref walks past me. And as I see the ref, he has, you know, like holes that's in the side of his pants. And I'm sitting here and I'm sitting here saying, what in the world happened to the referee at halftime? (laughs) And so as he walks towards the middle of the field, he lays the ball down and then he just rips off his clothes. And no, I'm really tripping. I'm like, man, the ref did went. He didn't lost his mind. Man, what's going on? And then he he got stuff painted all over his body, and he just takes off. So he running through the field, and then all of a sudden, one of the New England Patriots hit him, boom, and knocked him out. by, you know, five yards up in the air, just pow! and just knocked him out. And then once he hit the ground, about a um, hundred. Um, people with yellow jackets came and tied him up real fast and, and got him off the field. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here like, man, this is, this is crazy, right? And what I tell people all the time is that when you come out there, you better make sure you're supposed to be part of the festivities. <laughs> you, you know, you, you, don't, you don't come out there when you don't post. And, and so it was just amazing that, um, that the man thought of that. Yeah. And, and he, you know, I mean, special. got past all that security. Yeah, special, I mean, special yeah. That's a good way to put it. He was yeah. a special guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, on the deal. It's amazing. I'm
0: just interested to know how did he do repping the rest of the game?
1: Um, he, he didn't <laughs> make it the rest of the game. <laughs> but I mean, it was just amazing for somebody to be able to think of that and get out there on that field and do it. It's, yeah. Yeah, I, it blew my mind. I was like, man, this is crazy. Now I'm hearing,
0: I'm hearing your your first interception mm-hmm. that you ran back for. a touchdown. You did that against Steve Young. Yes. So, do you ever rub that in? Do you ever, you know, call him and go, hey, Steve, remember me and I'm the, I'm the guy?
1: Yeah, I call him up all the time. Steve, <laughs> man, uh, when you get your um, Hall of Fame acceptance speech, make sure you talk about me when, when you do that. <laughs> 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 you know, we were playing San Francisco and, and um, Steve Young threw the ball and, and I intercepted and, and, and I, you know, went to run it in for a touchdown and and um, so I have this picture of me running to the end zone with my hands up like this and um, Jerry Rice reaching, you know, diving, trying to catch me, you know, type thing. And, and so, you know, I brag about that all the time to my kids, right? And, and they like, who is Jerry Rice? <laughs> 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 so, so they don't know who Jerry Rice is. You know, they, they, they still stuck with, you know, guys like Randy Moss and guys like yeah. that. And, and they weren't around when Jerry Rice was turned. I'd say he's just, you know, just the greatest receiver to ever play the game. You you want, the man is trying to catch your dad <laughs> the right there. trying to tackle me. <laughs> so I don't know if I get a lot of kudos when I tell my kids that Jerry, that's Jerry Rice, man, trying to tackle me. So, um, now, you, got, you got kind of a
0: reputation, uh, cold game mentor. And uh, <laughs> you, uh, you did not particularly like cold games, and so you had this thing you did.
1: I'll tell you what, if you know anything about Mike Mentor, you know he hates cold weather. Okay, cold weather, me and cold weather don't get along.
0: Which is why you played for Nebraska.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> What can you say, you know? Um, and, and, and so what I would do is I would get the schedule every year, and I would look at how many possible cold games we have. And so if, if we got Green Bay in December or you're going to New York, and, and so I, I will start praying. We'll get that schedule about in April. And I started praying in April. Lord, please bring a heat wave in Green Bay <laughs> in December. <laughs> and, you know, the amazing thing is, is that, um, you know, the 10 years that I was playing, man, we, we didn't have no cold games. And so, and so um, at the end of my career, God started coming to me. And we'd get ready to play uh, Philadelphia before the Super Bowl. And they all came to me, Mike. You prayed about this game yet because it's going to be cold. I said, oh, we got it taken care of, man. God got this. And and so what what I tell people is is that nothing is too small for God to be um, important to him. If it's important to you, it's important to him. And so don't ever think that, oh, I can't go to God with this one. If I can pray about the weather, you can pray about anything that's going on in your life, and God will answer that. And so I converted a whole lot of people, man. Uh, <laughs> with this weather praying, so, <laughs> you never know.
0: <laughs> we, we were kind of hoping that you could just stop right now and pray for a little rain. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I think a lot of people think that uh, guys who make it uh, in the pros, that somehow you've, you, you know, they've all had this kind of perfect life and everything's been blessed and everything's kind of come easy and, and because they had physical talent or whatever, the doors just swung open. But uh, your life's pretty different than that. Uh, you, had a, you had a real journey to get to the pros and be part of that. Too small, too small, all the stuff. Would, would you just walk us through your life? Because I think your life ends up being a pretty amazing story. So just start at the beginning. Take us, take us through.
1: I'll tell you what, Pastor. I sure wish that um, it was that easy, you know. If it was that easy, man, I, 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 I'd, I'd love to go through the easy um, way of um, making it to the NFL and, and where I am today. Um, I grew up in Lawton, Oklahoma. And um, there in, in Oklahoma, and I know some of you people who's pretty savvy about the college football world, you know, Oklahoma boy going to Nebraska just don't make sense. And you want to know why. And I, I'll tell you why later on. And, and so as I grew up in Lawton, Oklahoma, um, you know, my, my mom had four kids, had two girls, um, two older sisters, myself, and a, I have a younger brother. Um, my two older sister's dad um, got shot and killed um, when, when they were little kids. And then my mom married um, my dad and then he passed away from a heart attack when I was eight months old. And so, where I get my strength and where I get um, my, my um, perseverance is, is from my mom. I mean, no matter what came her way, regardless of what was going on, um, she stood strong and, 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 and she taught us to be strong no matter what. And, and one of the things that, that we had in our family was my grandmother. She was, a, you know, the matriarch of, of our family. And she had 13 kids. So you can imagine that, 13 kids and, and how many grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids that was living um, with her. Um, basically, she had an 800-square-feet um, duplex, and you had about 30 kids living in this duplex. So we learned very early, you know, how to compete. Mm. You know, so <laughs> we, we was competing for everything. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, she, she, was the, she was the center. She was the rock. And, mm. and, and she was a woman that, that was faith, mm. had faith, strong yeah. faith.
0: And I, I want people to get the moment. Uh your mom ends up deciding to move back to Lawton, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma after your dad passes away. But the reality is, uh, all this family was kind of depending on grandma. So if they were going to work, or as you said last service, if they were out doing some things they shouldn't have done, Mm -hmm. grandma was still being kind of grandma daycare for the entire family. And she was doing that in an 800 square foot government assistant residence she's doing that and yet here's a woman who had a faith in God and that was kind of the very beginning seeds mm. for you of kind of that figuring God out thing.
1: Absolutely. And that's why I tell people seeds are very important because when you plant those seeds one day they're going to be come fruit and they're going and it's going to grow. And then that's what happened with our grandmother. She planted seeds with all of us mm. and um and so I can just, you know, when I was seven years old, my grandmother passed away, and she had a heart attack. And so at this point, the family kind of, you know, disintegrated when it came to faith. And then as I said earlier, we became that, you know, that, that church-going family that only did it on Easter and Christmas. But I used to love Easter, man, because of the fact we got new clothes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, used to look good <laughs> in the Easter clothes. Um, and, and so I, I was excited about going there then, and, and so that's what, it became to me. But early on, I think from the time that I left the hospital, I loved the game of football. I mean nobody ever came to me and said, Mike, you need to play football. I always wanted to play football. And so I can remember coming out and, and um, growing up and, you know, doing them early years and, and, and used to have my imaginary friends. And I used to have a lot of them. I used to have, you know, my team. I used to be out there playing by myself and I used to have my teammates and my opponents. I used to have their height and their weight, where they was from, their name, the whole nine. I mean, it was just fun. And, And I used to, you know, play a whole season. So I used to play about 10 games in that whole season. So I had to come up with a lot of imaginary friends throughout the year and um, you know they
0: they they have people who can help with that nowadays yeah they do I didn't know nothing about that back then (laughs) and so
1: so you I have fun so third grade I get a first opportunity to play football so organized football I get my jersey I get my pads and I can't wait to play for a real team this time and um, I remember getting my jersey and I, I I didn't take it off for a whole week I had the jersey on all day I slept in it, I took baths in it. I mean, I, I just not, I mean, that, my jersey was it. And I was so proud to have my uniform. And um, I can remember going through that season and, and uh, getting there in the, in the third grade. I'm watching TV in University of Nebraska, getting ready to play the University of Miami for the national championship in the Orange Bowl in 84. And, and, as, and I, as I was sitting there, I, they were showing all the highlights of Nebraska. And I said, man, I want to go to that school. That's school I'm going to. I said, man, that's, that's it. It was just a burning desire in my heart to want to go to Nebraska. And so from that point on, I watched Nebraska every Saturday um, to, to watch them and, 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 and watch them all the way growing up. So I get to high school, and all of a sudden I get this phone call. And this phone call is from Tom Osborne, head coach at the University of Nebraska at the time. He said, "Micah, uh, I want to come down and I want to visit you. And, and, and I'm just so excited. I mean, can you imagine? Since the third grade, I've been watching him, and now he's calling me. He want, he want to come visit me? I couldn't believe it. And so he came down about a, um, a week later, and we was in basketball season, and he came to watch the basketball game. And, and, um, and so he got to my house before I, I did. And so me and my brother was coming home after the game, and, and we're sitting outside the door, and I'm sitting there looking at my brother, and I said, can you believe we're in the house? I said, Tom Osborne is in the house. Coach Osborne is in the house getting ready to talk to me. You know, and I, and I told him earlier I, I was slobbering all over myself. I just, <laughs> I just couldn't believe that Tom Osborne was in the house. And, and as I get ready to walk in the house, you know, of course, I wipe my mouth. i make sure I look presentable. And, and I walked in. And, and Tom Osborne was there. And he stood up. You know, he was about six three, six four. So he was a giant already in my mind. He really really was tall when he was sitting there, and, and, um, and I tell people all the time, I, I know you guys looked at me as I was walking on the stage like, this guy's not that big, man. <laughs> man, I know some of you guys out there talking about, I, mean, I think I can take him, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, How did on. you read my mind? Yeah, yeah. I, I was, yeah.
0: I played semi-pro. Did you hear about did me? You? Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs>
1: Well, we'll sign you up. We'll give you a contract. There you go. All right, all right, good. And so, and so, um, we sat down, and Tom started. Coach Osborne started talking about, um, you know, the University of Nebraska, and I said, Coach, you can stop. I'm going. I'm already sold. You don't have to. You don't have to tell me nothing. I'm ready to go. I didn't know where Nebraska was. Didn't know nothing about Nebraska. I just know I was born in Nebraska. <laughs> and so I committed that day. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go put in the paper and we get ready to fly, the next next week I get ready to fly to Nebraska. Now you got to realize I've never been out of Oklahoma, never been on an airplane before, okay? Um, grew up in a predominantly all-black neighborhood. And yeah, so you see, she's been in Nebraska. <laughs> she's been in Nebraska. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and,
0: so <laughs> and so... Your world is about yeah, to change. Yeah, it's about to change big time, right?
1: So I get there, I fly in and, and I get off the plane and it's like nine degrees <laughs> and it's snowing. And I said, oh, no, this is not it. I got to go back home. And then the other thing is, is you know, it, it's not too many black people in Nebraska. So I had to change on that, I'm like, where everybody at? <laughs> you know? So it was, it was amazing thing. So, so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm getting nervous. I'm getting scared, man. I'm like, man, man, you know. So, but luckily I had a I had a teammate of mine that that uh, he was getting a scholarship too. He was about six six, big guy, and Nebraska offered him a scholarship to come. So we both committed to Nebraska. And So I was like, okay, at least I got a teammate, man. We go, we're gonna go together, and at least we can be together, all right? And then learn the environment as we go. Well, I get a call about three days later, and, and he tells me, Mike, I changed my mind, man. I'm going to Baylor. I said, Baylor? What is Baylor? And for you guys who don't know college football, I want you to go home, okay, get on the internet and look up Baylor University, and then you'll start laughing once you do that. Okay?
0: <laughs> you'll understand.
1: <laughs> Amazing. And so I said, okay, man, listen, tell them a, Come pick me up. I'm going to go to Baylor. I'm going to look at them. I'll go to Baylor too because I'm scared. I don't want to go by myself, okay? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm nervous. I'm like, I'll go to Baylor. So went to Baylor, went on a recruiting trip, and I just didn't feel it. It wasn't there. It wasn't the same. And, and so I can remember um, getting ready to sign my letter of intent. I had the big press conference for us, and I had both scholarships in my head. And I'm saying, which one, you know, am I going to sign? which brings up the point of fear. Fear, guys, can rob you of your dream. Fear can stop you from doing what God called you to do. What God has put inside of each and one of us, fear can snatch that away. And at that moment, I had to find out what I was going to do with the, with the monster of fear. Because the Bible tells us that God did not give us the spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And so when fear comes knocking at your door, you got to know that it's not from God, that it's the enemy. And you got to stand up to it with the power that God has inside from the Holy Spirit. And so as I sat there, and and, and I can remember saying to myself, a rush just came through my mouth, and it said Nebraska. And I signed the letter. And so now I'm getting ready to go to Nebraska.
0: Okay, so I I think, and and it's going to unfold Mm -hmm. in a moment, but I think it's an important moment in your life. A third grade boy who watches the Orange Bowl, and all of a sudden a burn comes in his heart to go play at a place he's never been, never heard of before, and he grows up his entire life aching to go to the school. Goes there, takes that first look, begins to have second doubts, and yet even in the midst of that, stays that burn, that Mm -hmm. something. And... I know you've told me as you look back, you realize God, God wanted you at Nebraska, that God really had appointments yes. set up for you, and this is all going to play out yes. in a minute. And the reason I think that this is huge for us is because there's people in this room who are exactly where you were at that moment. They're, them and God are not connected right now, and, and, and they're still on that journey to figure it out. And if they would pause for a moment, they would probably be able to look back at moments in their lives where God was setting appointments with them, where God was trying to get their attention, and if they would just stop long enough to have the conversation, uh, everything could change. Yes. So here you go, you head off to Nebraska, you pretty much have a plan. Football at this
1: moment in your life is your God. Mm. Ta- take us to Nebraska. F- football is everything at this point. I mean, because why? Because I felt peace. I felt um, a, a sense of belonging when I was on that football field. Anything that was going on outside of my life didn't matter when I got on the football field. So it was something that I could hold on to, and it said it gave me identity. And so as I got to the University of Nebraska, and which comes to your point, if you don't stop, God will stop you. Mm. So either you can do it or he can do it. I would recommend you do it, all right, before he do it. Coming into my sophomore year, at this point, I'm starting. I started as a freshman, starting as a sophomore. At the university, I always wanted to play, at, so I'm pretty excited about what's going on. So I got my plan. It's all about Mike Mentor at this point. It's football and, and, and me, and that's it. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm saying to myself, I'm going to play to my junior year, then I'm going to leave and go to the NFL and make all this money, because that's what it's really is about. And so I, I, as third game of the season, we play Texas Tech. Second half, they hand the ball off. Man breaks the line of scrimmage. I come to make the tackle. And as I come to make the tackle, my left foot hit the turf room. And then my knee popped. Pop. And then as I rolled over, it began to continue to pop. And at that moment, I knew something was wrong. I said, man, dang, you know, I'd never been hurt before. But I knew something was going on with this knee. And I and, and it was a night game. And I can remember looking up, I'm laying down on my back and I'm looking up in the sky and I can remember asking myself, is this it? If this is it and football could be taken away at any moment, then this this is not what I signed up for. And I said, if if what my anchor is, somebody could come snatch it. That's not it. And so I began to look up in the sky and I begin to ask the question, if football is not it, then what is the meaning of life? If football ain't the meaning of life, what is it? And at this point, I began to go on my journey mm. of trying to find out what the meaning of life, you know, really is. And I tell people all this all the time. What are you holding on to? What is your anchor right now? And if it's not God, then it can be snatched away at any moment. So all the things in the world can be gone like that. Hmm.
0: And then you, you tried to make a deal with God.
1: Oh, absolutely. Try to make a deal. I mean, that's what we do, right? <laughs> we, we sit down. We land on our back. We say, okay, God, listen. Let's, let's make a deal. <laughs> let's make a deal. I say, God, now listen. If you, if you get me back on the field, then God, i go to Bible studies. Sound like a good deal to me, right? I mean, (laughs) you do something for me, i do something for you, we all good. (laughs) And for you guys who know God, know that God don't make deals. Oh, it's either his way or the highway. But the amazing thing is, it's not just because He's cruel, it's because his way is the best way. His way is the best way for you and um, so, as I tried to cut the deal with God, it, it didn't work out as, as quite like I thought it would work out. Right. And, um, and, and so, as I began to go to these Bible studies, I began to see something different. Hmm. And I began to have um, Coach Osborne come in, and he was doing the Bible studies. And as I sat there and I look at Coach, and I say, man what do coach have that all these, you know, that I do not have? I want to be like him. I, you know, this was the first man that I looked at that I said, I want to be like. I mean, what makes him so peaceful and consistent and loving? I said, what is it? I mean, you know, he was the same man on the field, off the field, on camera, off camera, with the All-American, with the walk-on, the guy that never played a down for him. He was the same. He loved everybody and respected everybody the same, and I, Never seen nothing like that. And I was like, what do we have that I don't have? Mm. And so his, his life and his example began to lead me to the answer of what's the meaning of life. And at that moment, I began to understand that the meaning of life is having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your creator. The one who created you to do amazing things. He has the life plan he has the directions and so all we have to do is hook up into it and so at that moment I I, I went home and I kneeled beside my bed and I said you know God listen I don't know how to say this or what to say but I do know this I want to be on your team I want to sign up on your roster I want you to be my head coach I want you to lead me in this game of life because you know the meaning of it and I want to play and I want to execute every play to the fullest of my ability. God, I want to be on your team. So I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, coming down from heaven to die for our sins. And at that moment, God began to say, okay, Mike, I'm gonna put you on the roster. And he wrote my name down on the roster. And the amazing thing about this, guys, is this, is that when he writes your name on that roster, oh, this is what they call permanent ink. You can't get erased off the roster. You can't get cut on this roster. Oh, yeah, you can't get cut on this roster. And so I tell people all the time in the NFL, you get cut at any moment. It's nothing guaranteed. And so I tell them that the NFL don't stand for National Football League. It stands for not for long, because you're not there long. (laughs) (laughs) But on God's team, you're there forever. And that's what I was like, God, I want you to take me and use me in the way that you see fit.
0: Here's, here's the part that I love about that part of your story is a guy by the name of Tom Osborne, head coach of Nebraska, which in college circles, and most of you that watch would know, I mean, you're talking premier team, premier status in the country, and yet here's a guy, as he coaches that team, really puts it out there that he's a Christian. Uh, you talked about awards that he would give to the outstanding offensive player, outstanding defensive player. He'd have verses engraved on the awards. Uh, he'd go to team meetings and he'd say, look, uh, here's the verse of the week. So you're there playing football and he's there holding Bible studies for the team. And the part that I think is remarkable about that is, is, is here's a guy at the pinnacle of success and he's taken Jesus with him as he goes. and. I just, it is scary to be at the pinnacle and know that you're putting it out there and could lose it. You know, I think we all think, you know, when I get to be president of the company, then I'll reveal that I'm a Christian, and I'll go, hey, by the way, uh, if, if you're not standing up and having a testimony for Jesus when you're a manager, you won't take him with you when you become president. Uh, it gets scarier to have a testimony, fir- you've more at stake. Yes. And, and to have a man who literally in the midst of coaching a premier football team realized, my mission here isn't just about winning a national title, my mission here is to show Jesus Christ to a bunch of young men who are on my team. You're living proof, yes. uh, you're living evidence of a guy who was willing to put it on the edge and live for God. I I think I was kind of thinking, man, we ought to maybe get Tom Osborne here next friend day, you oh, know, and let him tell his story. Yes, what a, yes. yeah. Yes. You, you make it to the NFL. <laughs> and uh, you had plans pretty sure that you were going to win the Super Bowl first year out. Oh, <laughs> Tell right, us about right the away, NFL. Right yeah.
1: away, I thought that was supposed to how the story goes, you know. Won um, championships championship from elementary all the way to college. And so I'm thinking, well, it's supposed to happen then. I'm supposed to win a Super Bowl. That's where you're supposed to go. And um, I get drafted and go to Carolina the year before. Um, they one game away from going to the Super Bowl. So I'm really like, yeah, this yeah. is it. Woo. Mike Venter missing yeah, piece. That's yeah, right. There I'm you go. Missing piece. We're going to win it. We get there. We go seven to nine the first year. We lose nine games. First time combined from elementary to college that I lost nine games. I did in one season. So it was just amazing. So you go from a, a zero bank account, maybe a little negative somewhere in there, uh, to millions of dollars overnight. And I say that to say this, is that God has given you things as tools to bless his people. And one of the amazing things that, that, that I had to um, go through was, was tithing, hmm. you know? It was like, you know, tithing was, was easy when I had zero. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I got millions, and, and, and I said, God, listen, I said, God is... Do the tithe mean on the the gross or the net? (laughs) I said, help me out on that (laughs) one. And, you know, he said, well, Mike, you know, you only got a net because the government don't trust you. And that's the reason why you have a net. So you should go on the gross. I said, okay. And so it was tough. and, And I say that to say this, guys, is that it's tough to be obedient. But it's the right thing to do because at the end of the day, God will bless you for that. Be obedient at what he called you to do. Whatever it is he called you to do. And, um, and so I can just remember going through those steps of, of being obedient mm. to God's calling on what he was doing with me. And so when I got to the NFL, I knew why I was there now. I knew it wasn't about me being in the NFL. I knew it was about me being able to one day get up here and talk to people, okay, about Jesus Christ mm. and his love and his power. And, and that's what it's about, using that platform God has given you to change people's lives hmm. and let people understand that no matter what you have, no matter what you, you know, don't have, at the end of the day, it's about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
0: Hmm. Now, you, you play for the Carolina Panthers. We won't mention the fact that the next year you guys only won <laughs> one game. <clears throat> but uh, uh, coaching change happens. New coach yes. comes in. New coach comes in. Uh, he's pretty sure he doesn't like Christians. Yes. He's pretty sure that he doesn't have any place on his team for Christians. You've been an outspoken Christian, yeah. and now your contract comes up. Tell us about that.
1: Man, you know, new coach comes in town. Hey, I don't want no Bibles. I don't want no Bible studies, none of that Christian stuff in here. When you come in this building, it's all about football. So I don't want that. I'm sitting here like, wow, this guy must not understand. And so he went to say that when I have Christians, I don't think they're strong enough. I think they're weak. I don't want them on my team. So I'm going to start putting football players on my team. I mean, literally said this, and I'm, and I, I'm just baffled by it. And so I'm up for my contract, and, of course, he don't want me on the team because, you know, I'm a Christian. And, and, um, and I can remember praying about it, and God was saying to us, we, I want you to stay here. I want you to stay in Carolina. And I'm sitting here like, okay, let's we'll stay in Carolina. Well, God, you got to do something. Because, you know, it's, it's not happening. You know, we we are far away apart, and you got to make it happen. Mind you, that Cleveland had five million dollars more on the table than what Carolina had. Even at what I would take. And so, and so I would get there and then all of a sudden the chaplain called me, the team chaplain, gave me a call. I said, you know, Mike, you know, tell him about the situation. I said, well, I need to talk to the owner. I need to talk to Jerry Richardson, you know, like I'm somebody, man. Get, get the owner on the phone. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and, and, and so, you know, we talked about it and whatnot, and, and then all of a sudden the phone ring five minutes later, and it's Jerry Richardson, the owner, and he calls, and we're talking about me staying in Carolina. I said, I want to be here. I really want to be here, but... Head coach got to, you know, we got to see eye to eye on some things. All of a sudden, 10 minutes later, the head coach is called. Mike, we want you on the team. We really want you on the team. And I'm tripping because this is the same man who don't want no Christian on the team. But this is how God works. See, I told him earlier about the story of Balaam and the donkey. Remember that story? God make a donkey talk. He can make a man talk. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and he made that man talk and ten minutes later my agent called me to tell me the deal is done hmm. this is how God works guys when God says it's going to happen it's going to happen you got to have faith and know that it's going to happen you be obedient at what he calls you to do hmm. and so I, I just say that to say guys listen no matter what you're going through no matter where you're at in your life if God's calling you to do something, if you're at a crossroads, pay attention to him. Pay attention to him because he can make anything happen at the end of the day. And I, Mike,
0: I, just, I love your story because it's a story of a guy who was pretty sure life was all about him who along the journey figures out Jesus Christ. But I think the other part that's cool is that once you figured out Jesus Christ, it was all or nothing, man. Yes. You, you sold out to do that and, and just exhibited incredible courage and and. I just honor you for your testimony and for what you've done in God. And thank you, man, for being part of us and being here today. Thank you, you, man. Thank 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 you. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I'll I'll let you guys take a seat. I I just hope, I hope as you get ready to leave this room that that we walk out of here with some takeaways because if if you'll stop and let the story of this man's life sink in, uh, there's there's something for each of us in this room. I I think of uh, some of us in this room who've already figured out the God thing, and you got a guy who went through the NFL and took God with him. You and I can take God to Intel. You and I can take God to Allied Signal or to the school where we teach. Because the reality is if God, if you can't take God with you now, you'll, he won't make the rest of the journey either. And for you and I as Christians to realize, you know what, I, I may be a teacher, but I'm probably not a teacher to be a teacher. God's given me a platform, just like he gave Mike Minter football to make Jesus famous. Just like Tom Moulin made Jesus famous at Nebraska. Some of us in this room, you're not there yet. You haven't gotten to that place in your journey where God has made total sense. I mean, you like God and and you've been a fan of God, but if you were honest, you'd have to say, I'm I'm an awful lot like Mike and uh, I know my journey hasn't landed anywhere yet. But if you were honest this morning, you know that God has done all sorts of things in your life to try to get your attention? Does it really take laying flat on your back to figure out that God is the most important thing? And would you just think about that as you leave this place? There are some in the room who'd say, Lynn, I I get it. I mean, I am there. I've been doing this. I've been on this, and I'm I'm there, I'm ready to make a decision uh, in my life. And I just wanna give those people in this room an opportunity to pray, to just get that done uh, in their lives. So here's what we're gonna do, we're gonna bow our heads and I'm gonna lead you in a word of prayer and you can just pray this prayer quietly where you're at. You just say, hey God, you know what, I'm I'm here and like Mike said, (laughs) I'm wanting to join the team. So let's just pray. Here's what that prayer would be like if you're ready. Dear Lord Jesus, if I'm really honest, I know you and I haven't made that connection yet. I like you, I'm a fan, but I know. And if I look back over my life, there's all sorts of moments where you've tried to get my attention, where you've tried to have the conversation with me. And I'm just there this morning. I I get it. It makes sense. And you don't have to put me flat on my back or I'm ready. And, And I'm just here this morning. And here's what my heart is saying Put me on the team. Come into my life in a real way, be my savior. Forgive me. Forgive me for every selfish moment. Forgive me for every moment that I thought I was the universe. Forgive me for every lie and every selfishness and stubbornness. Just forgive me for my sins. And come into my life right now. Write my name with that permanent ink. This I'm asking in the name of Jesus. Amen.